welcome to the Intelligent Growth Podcast, the ultimate guide for go-to market leaders who aspire to engage and influence their target relationships to market more impactfully, sell more profitably, and create customer evangelists. We're going to help you strategically navigate the customer lifecycle journey from awareness through purchase and all the way to material value creation for your clients. Your hosts have worked with hyper-growth, mid-market, and global enterprises and understand the unique challenges and opportunities CMOs, CROs, and CCOs face when they embark on marketing sales and customer success motions. Get ready to unlock the potential of your unique go-to market strategy, transform your perspective into powerful campaigns, and position yourself as the world-class revenue growth benchmark. This is the Intelligent Growth Podcast with your hosts, Jen Cords and David Knorr. Hi, everybody. David Knorr. I want to welcome you back to another episode of our Intelligent Growth with my uh, partner, Jen Cords. Hello, Jen. Hi, Knorr. How are you? Great. Thanks. Uh, for our audience, delighted uh, you're here with us. We're live on Facebook and my LinkedIn uh, live page and let's see, YouTube and Avenir's YouTube, uh, Twitter, and, and uh, we're trying to share this across multiple platforms. We want to make this interactive. We think it's a really interesting topic in today that I've been talking to people about. We, we've been coaching and working with a number of clients around, and we encourage you to jump in with your questions, your comments, your examples. Uh, and it's this idea of customer obsession. Now, and if you've been in business more than five minutes, you've certainly heard of, you know, Bezos and Amazon really talk about this. And, and we've been really curious as to what that really looks like and why is it so difficult for companies and organizations to kind of uh, really uh, strive for that? Uh, we've all had really bad, I'm, I'm going through a customer headache. I am the customer headache <clears throat> with a very a recognizable, globally recognizable brand right now. We've all had satisfaction issues. We've also had some great stories and experiences. But satisfaction, as we'll talk about, is different than obsession. And what we really want to talk about is what does it what does it really take? What does it look like to go from you know beyond that as title of the session, beyond just aiming for satisfaction in that customer experience to one of truly an obsessed organization? And and Jen. As we kind of tease the audience, I think it'd be really smart to to start separating the two, delineating two, because I think most people know what customer satisfaction looks like. I want to talk about the fundamental differences between the two. So you want to get us started and just let's start by just defining it. Sure. Uh, so a customer obsession there are companies that are well known for their customer obsession, companies like Nordstrom's and Disney. And I mean, there's books written on the Nordstrom way. And some of those are, they go above and beyond for the customer. It doesn't matter if it's necessarily right for the organization. Like it may be a, a loss leader for the organization, but it's, it's what's right for the customer. And so they go above and beyond every time. And that experience is consistent and it is all about ensuring the best touch point, best value, best experience every time that that brand is engaged with versus satisfaction where it's measured occasionally may or may not impact processes or internal training or anything like that. It's, it's more of a, how well are we doing? 
it's not gonna, going to change anything that we actually are doing. We're just temperature checking everybody. Yeah, and, and I think that the definition is a great place to kind of start and really start kind of delineating satisfaction with, as I said, most people understand, most people realize, most people recognize what that looks like and obsession. The other thing I think about is scope. So customer satisfaction, the scope seems to be very specific around, you and I have heard benchmarking. We've heard KPIs. We've heard, uh, you know, a, a hotel property, several of them do this. Uh, you know, they, they, they talk about this, idea of, um, you know, customer SAT scores. They're real big on that. Net promoter score is another one that a lot of people kind of think about, believe in, and they they go all in. Customer obsession, it, again, we've seen it and we talk about the scope is a lot more holistic. It's a lot more uh, experience-centric, kind of end-to-end. And we talk about it as a journey, right? Think of it as not just a sprint, right? Did you show up? Was your hotel room clean? Well, duh, that's kind of the minimal level that I'm expecting. I'm not paying for that brand or that, you know, hotel for it not to be, you know, above and beyond. Conversely, customer obsession is is really understanding. The scope is is starts with, and we'll talk a lot about this, a deep understanding and addressing those needs. So organizations that become need-based, focused on needs, even anticipating, right? I just rolled up to a hotel, front desk, checking in. For the love of God, please don't put me in a hotel room that's 10 miles down the hallway, right? I just, I'm exhausted. Anticipate. That may not always be possible, but when you bring up something I haven't even thought of, that, that, goes more than just the satisfaction. Now you're delighting. Now you're exceeding expectations. Now you're, um, you know, you're putting me and that experience that I have with you, your company, your brand at the center of not just everything you do, but everything you are. And that really makes it, makes it really, um, soul enriching in many ways where you experience that. Oh my God, these people are, they know me and they care and they go above and beyond just doing the bare minimum required to earn my business and have me go away. I agree. And, and there are moments and and it may just be checking a database for them to appear as if they know what's happening and anticipate some of that, which kind of brings us to our next topic of proactivity. Uh, Being proactive about customer satisfaction really is is a misnomer because a lot of times that's a reactive approach to dealing with your customers. And so they wait for a customer to give them feedback that may or may not be negative. It could be they wait for a complaint or they only address the things that people are actually being noisy about uh, versus actually taking it a level above and to your point, anticipating what a customer may want from their experience or what they may expect from their experience or take that normal every day, we get on a plane all the time what would take it to the next level? What would make it that much more impactful? And so what I was starting with was it could be just referencing a, a database of this person is at this level. They've they've flown with us five times this month already. Maybe 
offer them a free drink or acknowledge that they've been here so frequently. A lot of times it doesn't even have to be give away something for free. It's the acknowledgement that you've been really loyal to that company. And, and uh, those profiles that we fill out online aren't just data points. A, A lot of companies treat them as data points and that goes to the satisfaction column. But when you're customer obsessed, you use that profile to elevate their experience. So for your example, if they don't want to be 10 miles from the elevator, schedule them or put their room near the elevator, or maybe they like down pillows versus synthetic fiber pillows. You know, they're coming, ask housekeeping to put those pillows in the room. And it's not something that you need to tell them, but again, you go in and you lay down and you're like, oh my gosh, I have a down pillow or those sort of things are customer obsessed. I have to share. I have to share two examples, right? I'm just like <laughs> I'm at the edge of my seat to share two examples. Sorry. Uh, one of um, my my cringeworthy moments, right? Again, you you know I travel a ton, and I'm rolling up the the property and the brand doesn't need to be mentioned, but I'm rolling up. It's around midnight. Uh, really bad weather. I think I, I I literally lived planes, trains, and automobiles the same day, right? Just to get there. I'm rolling up. I'm cold. I'm bundled. I'm it was snowing. I'm wet. I'm dragging a carry on, and I kid you not, the front desk asked me, "Checking in? No, I'd like to have my tires changed. Uh, do you guys do that here?" I, like I'm I'm literally the last one. My name is right there behind them and kind of with the with the you know I'm the last customer not to show up today. And so the the other thing about just since we're using you know travel, hotels. I've shared this example. You know, whenever we leave, what do they ask? Did you enjoy your stay? Did you or, or you know how was your stay? Right. Mm-hmm. And what most of us say, right? Fine. Mm-hmm. Imagine changing that one question. Think of how many people stay in a property. What's the one thing we could have done to improve your experience with us? And I would take that one step further is that they can't just ask the question. Being customer obsessed, you need to get the feedback from that question, acknowledge, say thank you for that feedback, and then do something about it. Have property property managers or whomever be empowered to actually do something about that customer. You're, you're exactly right. And what you're alluding to is the culture. And, and I love I love Tamika is jumping in. So thanks for joining number one from Facebook. Deep understanding and knowing the client needs. So true. Anticipate the needs. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And then the other one, uh, she jumped in. She, was, she wants to make sure she gets her money's worth. Make the last <laughs> customer just as important as the first one. The first is last and the last is first. Follow through, customize customer user experiences unequivocally. Yes. So, Jen, what you alluded to is really building, and we're going to talk about building the culture and and really setting the tone that we have to not just take the data points and do something with it and and really implement it. So now I want to, you know, we all have terrible stories. I have to share an amazing one, Uh, and this one I will name the brand. It's Ritz Carlton. And, uh, you know, I speak 50, 60 times a year and I'm at a speaking engagement and uh, we go there for breakfast, the room next door. There's probably three, four hundred people at this particular event. And this young, young uh, waitress uh, sees that I have dark pants on. And I, and I asked for if if you've been around 
you know, business attire, you you get white the, the white napkins and the fuzzy stuff gets all over your black pants, right? So as soon as we sit down for breakfast, I said, I apologize. Could I, could I trouble you for a black napkin? Just she saw that I was wearing black pants and she brought me a black napkin. So then we go next door. I do my keynote, a couple other people speak. And then we all come back. 400 people come back to the room next door for lunch. And the same woman, the same server is standing at the door, at the entrance, looking for me with a black napkin on a platter. I love it. And it's, I, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Number one, thank you. Number two, because she had no idea where I was going to sit and room full of 400 people. And, but she just stood there. With, so, so Jen, the whole time I'm thinking, is that nature? Was she born that way or is that nurture? And, and I think it, it really is a combination of two. One is, you know, people, especially in that customer facing roles have a heart of service. They, they go above and beyond creating not just mediocre, not just okay, not just fine, but an exceptional experience. And then I think the, the organization also encourages that, as you said, empowers that. Uh, we'll talk about measures and compensates that in a in a small way. Uh, but but I was just I was floored, and I and I've told that story so many times. So for our audience, if you just joined us late, we've been talking about this idea of customer centricity going beyond satisfaction to really an obsession. And how do you create an environment uh, where, you know, and, and we're delineating the two. Satisfaction, it's great. I would say increasingly it's becoming table stakes. We're, we're expecting a decent meal and a decent service and, you know, smooth, frictionless kind of experience when it goes above and beyond that. It's like, oh, my God, that that is a brand that we become really loyal to and we we become you activate this army and we want to tell all of our friends and everybody about it so so far we've defined the two and by the way uh we'll put all this in the avnir forum so we'll share the url with you if you want this list we'll encourage you to come join us in the forum we'll put it right on the home page and would love to have you jump in and interact with the content but so far we've defined it we talked about different scope uh, Jen brought up proactiveness, right? Instead of, you know, reactively complaining about something, being proactive. Jen, the next thing I think about is, and, and you and I talked about this and captured it, is longevity and consistency. So as we've talked about satisfaction, you know, like that complaint, it, it's typically episodic or it's very transactional. Oh, I'm sorry, you were, you know, unhappy with that event. Let me fix it. And that's critical. I don't want to take anything away from that. What happens is you may fix that one purchase, that one experience. With obsession, there's no start and end. It's ongoing. And the goal is this almost like a, a, peer, a loop, a feedback loop mechanism that says on an ongoing basis, so instead of a sprint, it's a marathon, it's ongoing. On an ongoing basis, we're going to ensure a very consistent, positive experience. So that long-term commitment to going above and beyond, that long-term commitment that we're going to do more than just meet their basic requirements, minimum requirements, we're going to really create an exceptional level of an experience for them goes a long way. Um, again, just a quick example. I'm going to use Ritz-Carlton again. <laughs> the ladies and gentlemen of Ritz-Carlton Naples want to welcome you to our property if there's anything we can do, my name is Jennifer. Please reach me at this number. 
That's the call you get when you stay at that property. I've never gotten that call from a Marriott courtyard. And it's ju- it's by the same company. It's, it's, it's owned by the same company. But they realize that I think, you know, there's nothing more of a commodity than a hotel room. Hotel room is a hotel room is a hotel room. They're going to create a different experience based on that level of the ladies and gentlemen of Ritz-Carlton Naples want to welcome you. By the way, I don't have a relationship with Ritz-Carlton. My name is Jennifer. If there's anything I can do, please reach me at this number. So I think that's that's the type of, again, longevity and consistency that 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 really separates obsession from satisfaction. Before we move on, just on the longevity and the consistency, to your point about the satisfaction is transactional or it's episodic, a lot of times they address the problem, the person that's having the problem, which again, take care of your guest, and that's online or in person, take care of your guest. But what the customer obsessed organizations do is they recognize that this person is complaining, but there could be other people that are experiencing the same or similar issue. Let's actually address the root cause versus just this one symptom. And so they take that complaint and really evaluate where are we where are we dropping the ball? And then how can we fix it? So no one else complains about that same thing. And so it's that learning and it's that feedback loop. And I and we've talked about it before. Feedback is fantastic. Feed forward is really what we want to go with. And so taking that complaint or feed the the interaction with the customer that may be positive, may not be positive and use it to improve going forward. And even when it's good feedback, okay, they're really responding to the the personal phone calls that are coming out of this property. How can we take that and elevate it one level above? So maybe Jennifer makes the phone call and then there's a dedicated concierge person for the level the floor level that you're staying on at the Ritz Carlton property. And maybe you have a a note in your room of thank you for being here. Here Here's my direct number. If you need anything, because again, you don't necessarily expect that anywhere, but the Ritz Carlton has is setting a bar and how can they go above and beyond consistently? One other thing I want to share here is, is uh, the audience needs to hear this. You should worry about people who go away mad or disappointed or let down and not say anything. Because if you know it, if you hear it, if you create an environment, and again, uh, I'm really excited. I'm flying to London later today. I'm going to the Thinkers 50 event. Amy Edmondson from Harvard Business School will be there. Number one global thinker. She talks a lot about psychological safety. And the title of her book is Fearless Organization. Is creating that environment where people feel that they can say, you know what, you guys were not at your best today. Or you guys, our team just didn't show up in the way we needed them to. And and I'm not attacking an individual. I'm bringing front and center that we're better than this. We're better than, you know, for whatever reason, whatever held us back, whatever set us back, whatever didn't allow us to deliver the utmost level of experience for that customer, we're better than this. So your comment about let's learn from it, let's grow through it, let's really apply it at the very next touch, the very next experience sets great companies apart from, yeah, fine ones. 
Yes. And so on that innovation, applying it to the next, next engagement, innovation, customer satisfaction uh, may actually not drive any innovation. Uh, we've talked about travel and booking a hotel room is pretty consistent across the entire industry. Same with airplanes, car rentals, et cetera. And so no one's creating a better mousetrap in that regard. And so they just maintain the standard. The customer satisfaction companies are just maintaining the standard. There are no bugs. You were able to check out and book your room where you wanted to. We're all good. The customer obsessed ones really are, are focused on how can we elevate this experience? And so that it's not just cut and dry. And maybe we're learning something about this person who's maybe visiting our property before they get here. And so if you're a loyalty member, maybe ask them a question. Why are you, why are you a loyalty member? Or thank you for your service or thank you for your loyalty for X number of years. Like incorporate that into the workflow and, and the experience of booking a room and maybe have a special tier or something for them. Or even just digitally, we did this at a casino uh, that I did some work for several years ago. They have a loyalty program and their cards are all different colors. And so when somebody got the newsletter or when they signed into their portal, the back end was then branded in that color. And the way we spoke to them was also slightly different based on who they were to the property and what level they were at. And everybody was spoken to in a very professional manner, but it was still, there were, there was levels of loyalty and the years that you've been with us and, and how much money you spent with that property. They, they wanted to make sure that you were, engaged in a deeper way. And so they just, it baked that into every single process digitally, when you got to the property, when you were in a restaurant, when you booked a hotel. And so those are the ones that are customer obsessed and it's finding ways to make that experience just that much smoother, that much better to, to just be memorable. Yeah. And that innovation is so critical. And, you know, again, can I just meet their basic needs versus how do I really go above and beyond with new offerings or improve the process, like you said, as the needs evolve, right? Really, I, I would submit relevance is a point in time. You have to continue to remain relevant. And we're all competing for mind share and wallet share. And again, Jen and I have been sharing a lot of hospitality examples because most business professionals travel extensively and we've all had some great ones and some bad ones. But this is just as relevant to one of our industrial manufacturing clients as it is a SaaS cybersecurity company. What are you doing to create a customer-obsessed culture? And that's actually a really good point next. And, and, and that's the next real differentiation. If you think about it, a company's culture aims for customer satisfaction within a specific function, a department. You know what? Sales is going to make sure that the customers got the information they need to make a decision and make the actual buying frictionless. And once they've bought, great sales. Thank you. We're done. We had a great. How was your satisfaction with us? It was fantastic. Yet it becomes in many ways silos. It becomes now you're at the customer success's mercy or you're at marketing's mercy and they have different agendas and different metrics and they may not get that consistency. Whereas a customer-obsessed culture 
goes beyond those functional barriers. It 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 infuses the entire company, and and it's the fabric of the DNA. I've all, for a long time I used the example of um, uh, you you've seen me, and if the audience hasn't, I wear these very dashing sport coats where there's patches on the elbows, right? If you think about that scenario, a patch, um, sure, looks nice and and it covers and it adds an accent to to that to that jacket. But the dye, the dye is integrated. It, it defines the fabric. It, it's not just a, a cover or a, a you know, it's interesting. It 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 vibrates and it and it per you know, it just it it permeates throughout the fabric. So obsession is the dye satisfaction is a patch that's a really good way to culturally kind of i like analogies and that one seems to resonate where you go beyond product marketing you go be product development you go beyond product marketing you go beyond sales or customer success or finance or legal that's not my job that's another department a customer obsessed culture never says that because it's everybody's job whose job is quality it's everybody's whose job is safety whose job is security so similarly, customer obsession is everybody's job. How do we ensure we not just align with the goals of serving, but really delighting, really elevating that experience we create with everybody we touch? That's a great point. And there are those times where you're on where you call an organization and you get transferred 12 different times because they're trying to put you with the right department because they don't want to deal with you or they're not customer service or whatever answer they try and give you. There's, there's a, a bank that I, I banked with. It was a local one up to Washington state. And uh, whenever you'd call, you got a dedicated person and regardless of what other department you needed to go with, they would stay on the line with you. And so if you called just the regular customer service line, that was your first point of contact. And maybe you needed to reset your PIN number or order a new debit card. They would basically uh, transfer in the person that could actually help you. And then that person would leave the call. And then the same person that answered the phone first would then make sure that you had all of what you needed in resolved in that call before hanging up. And then what was really cool about it is they would also then text you later to double check. Did you actually have everything you needed? And then if you went into a branch after making a phone call, they would acknowledge, oh, we see you recently called. Uh, did you get everything you needed? Is there anything else we can do to support you? It was probably the best banking experience I have ever had. And I would I would have stayed with them. But it was, again, a local bank to, to Washington State. And since I moved, I can't stay with them. But it was just it was a very cool and unique way that they chose to handle their call center. And people would just rotate through the calls. That first person, that was their their first line of defense. And it was very a personable person. And they made sure you had everything you need, which was amazing. Which is, it sounds like, you know, exactly what the, the next point you and I talked about, which is, you know, that word of mouth. Like, it, like you know, that, that experience, that story, when a company does this really well, they activate this army of people that, without being compensated, become their marketing, become their brand, become their, you know, flag carrying, you know, if not advocates, we, we talk about evangelists of, you know, oh my gosh, if you live here, you have to, in your case, bank with this local bank or 
you know, fly this or, you know, drive this or use this apps and platforms, right? If they make me a, and that's something full disclosure we're trying to do. If you create a superhero out of an individual, would that person talk about it, share it, uh, you know, tell other people about it, become not just a, a happy, not just even a proponent, but an advocate. You, you've seen zealots. You've seen people that go out of the way to, you know, create an environment that where, you know, they want to talk about it. They want to share it. Oh my God, I got to tell you about this great experience, a great service, a great product or whatever. And that, that drives outcome that drives business outcomes. And, and a lot of times those, those business outcomes and the moments of impact when people become an evangelist come unexpectedly. And so the organization needs to be innovative enough to catch those and intercept those moments when they happen. And the best example I, I have of a company going above and beyond when I completely didn't expect it was uh, Loop. Uh, it's a fly fishing company. They make rods and gear. They're based out of Sweden. I was at nationals in Colorado and my rod tip broke during nationals. It was day two of competition and it was a five day competition and it was my favorite rod. And this was just as COVID was ending and everybody was kind of getting back to life, but supply chain issues were still very real. And being in the Colorado mountains, nobody else was carrying this type of rod, but I reached out to my contact and it was just their customer service rep that I've dealt with in the past. So it was no one special um, at first. But And so I reached out to him. I said, hey, I broke my rod tip. Can you mail me another one? Uh, I'm at nationals now and, and I'll just get it when I get home. And he called me and said, what's an address that I can ship this to you? And, and I'm just like, I'm at a hotel. He's like, doesn't matter. Give me an address and we'll get you a new rod tip. And so on day three of competition, I got an overnight package with a new rod tip. And so on day four and five of competition, I could finish using my favorite rod that, and it was just above and beyond. And I've loved loop for a while and I have a ton of their rods, a ton of their gear. I talk about them all the time, but it was just one of those things that I didn't expect it at all. And I don't know of any other fly fishing company or any company that would necessarily do that. And it was just, it was fantastic. And, and and as you said, not only they create as a as a customer obsessed company, not only you create a real competitive differentiation, but you create, I mean, if you just heard Jen's story, you create brand loyalists. You create again, not just advocates, but evangelists. You create people that not just buy once, but they come back. So for our audience, one of the conversations we're having right now with a lot of CROs and CMOs and CEOs is fundamentally relational insights into a difference between ARR, right? Uh, annual recurring revenue. Somebody buying once, a subscription once, and then net recurring revenue, which is all about uh, attrition and a lot about, you know, and retention. And, and they're very different set of strategies of just getting somebody to sign. We all do this. I sign up for things once all the time. Hell no, I'm not signing up again. Why? It's been a you know crappy experience. We're dealing with right now a customer, a, a company that, that we use in our service. And, and we're, no need to name them, but this merry-go-round of sales reps that reach out. And I'm your new rep. 
And you're and they you're, only reach out once a year. Your <laughs> renewal's coming up, yeah, in four months. And I haven't heard from you in the previous eight. And I don't like your technology. I'm not using your technology. I get zero value out of it. And it's not cheap. So, you know, hell no, I'm not renewing. The latest, they just send me an invoice. Like for something that doesn't expire for another three months. And I replied back, please delete this. We're not renewing. And it's just like, it's asinine of, of just how clueless they seem to be. Yeah, left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And, and that goes back to the business outcomes and the co company culture not being baked in everywhere. Uh, but moving on, you've, for the past two decades or so, have delineated uh, two different terms, one being relationship currency from relationship capital. And then how do both of those contribute to a professional net worth? It's a, it's a great, great point. And, and we kind of alluded to it in our conversation, which is if you're in the customer satisfaction business and there's nothing wrong with this. So let's just, let's just plan that say you're exchanging relationship currency, right? You're doing something for some a customer and they pay you for it. That's just a good exchange of value. Reputation capital by definition is earned. And another way I describe relationship currency is like cash. Right, it has an immediate value, and there's an exchange. And reputation capital, by definition, is comparative value uh, in um, an environment where people have other choices, other options. So the example I like to use is a great house on a bad street. It is going to have a hard time selling because of the bad street. So, but a great house can can really separate itself from others. So. This idea of customer satisfaction is highly transactional. It's about relationship currency exchange. When you do that over some period of time, longevity, when you do that consistently, when you do that intentionally, when you do that across functional areas, you absolutely build your reputation capital. Over time, your relationship assets minus your relationship liabilities become what we call your professional net worth. The reason you should care is that it is increasingly getting more difficult, more expensive to acquire net new customers. Some of your best bet is your existing customers. How do we create a deeper, more meaningful relationship? How do we create a product or service portfolio? How do we gain more mind share and wallet share? from existing relationships who know us, like us, trust us, like working with us, have bought from us, want to buy more from us. And that mindset is a critical one if you're thinking about elevating your culture from a customer satisfaction one to a customer obsessed one. So those are all outlined in, in the latest book. Again, Relationship Economics. And, and I talk about those in relationship currency reputation capital and professional net worth in here. So on that, Jen, how do you believe, and, and you and I have talked about this, leaders uh, you know, set the tone for you know, in their thoughts, in their words, in their actions, in their behaviors, that tends to cascade down in creating a culture that is customer obsessed. How do you believe they can do that? They can do that effectively and impactfully. One of the 
best ways to do that is be the example. And so set the example for the culture that you want and provide guidance and feedback for when you're seeing people not aligning. So make it very clear that this is the standard. This, they, these are the company values. This is the standard. This is, this is what we are all trying to achieve for our customers, both internally and externally. This is the expectation of behavior. And then you need to emulate that just like our kids watch us and, and you don't think that they are, but they do. And they'll do what you do versus more so than what you say. And so as a leader, setting that tone uh, and being the example, even when it's difficult and owning owning those, those outcomes is really going to be important. And it's going to create the behaviors you're looking for because they, your team and those around you are going to want to elevate themselves to that same level. And if you're holding them to that standard, then uh, they will rise up or they'll either be very uncomfortable and find their way out is usually how that, that works. I, I, and, and that and you're exactly right. I think I think leaders unequivocally set the tone and and that that leadership commitment to in essence role modeling the behaviors, the thoughts, the actions, but also clear communication. You and I have been in companies where the CEO unequivocally says that customer is the only reason we're in business. That customer is the only reason any of us get a paycheck, any of us, have a product to sell, any of us compete in the market. And if we don't put this, and, and Dennis Sadlowski, the former CEO of Siemens Energy and Automation, I spoke at an event and did some work with him where he literally comes out on stage at, at this big event and he's got a hat on that in bold, it says customer. And, and his whole point was, how often do we wear that customer's hat and how often do we have a customer's hat in the room? where we're making decisions about our products or distribution or our marketing or any of that. And if you don't have that customer at the center of everything you do, another one that I got to share that I learned from him, he would ask every one of his senior executive leaders to get out on a, on a regular basis and meet with real and paying customers. And you would think, well, sure, that's, that's uh Sales and marketing and you know maybe service. No, HR and IT and legal and you know DEI and they all got out and and met with customers on a regular basis to understand and bring those insights back of what are our customers thinking, what are their issues, what are the challenges, how do we better understand kind of where they are and what they're you know what they're focused on. So so leadership commitment, empowering employees. You brought it up. A feedback mechanism. I love your comment. Don't just take that comment, you know, my input at the desk, do something with it and, and implement it. Uh, deep customer understanding. We talked about that. These are some of the cultural norms. Uh, reward and recognition. We've talked about that. How often are you measuring for A and compensating B? It's going gonna, it's gonna to scream, you know, as, as Jen, you brought up. It's like our kids. They watch what we do. And if your me metrics and compensation is one thing and you're, you're, you're measuring one thing and compensating something else, people are going to see right through it. Yeah, that's just noise. Ignore that and just focus on your MBOs or focus on these metrics and you know get your bonus. 
It's just that's the culture you're building. Uh, we talked about getting beyond functional, so cross-functional kind of proactive you know, collaboration. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about technology in a second, iterative improvements and real innovation, transparent communication. These are, and again, we'll put a list in the North Forum, uh, but uh, uh, forum.avnir, uh, it's avnir forum, forum.avnir.com, I think is the URL. Mm -hmm. And we'll put, a, we'll put a link in here for you and it's a good chance to come and join us. And right after the session, we'll put it up, we'll put it up live there. But Jen, I, you know, one of the things I talked about is, is investing in technology. So you spent a lot of time really thinking about this multi-threaded kind of motions. How can organizations take that customer obsession we've talked about and really incorporate it into their processes? How do they incorporate it into their tech stacks that helps the team, empowers the team? helps them show up much more consistently and not just talk about being customer obsessed, but, but show up as such. We've, we've talked about it in previous episodes where if you're remembering things about people for your needs, then, then you're, you're being going, you're going to be reactive. But if you're remembering things for them, then you're going to provide a value to them. And so one, the first way that a company can, become more customer obsessed through their processes and technology is create key insights about that customer that align with your values and or products that everyone sees when they first sign into their account or into the CRM or any type of interaction with that, that customer, be it a phone call, you're sending an email, whatever the case may be, here's here's the last three interactions that we had with them, or here's the last piece of content that they downloaded. Give them that insight so it appears as if you're paying attention to just that customer, so it's one-to-many at scale, and put it at their fingertips and have every department have consistency of information. So that's the first. The second one would be to share insights across departments. So internally, yes, most organizations are going to keep a customer success function, but the things and insights that the customer success team gathers, share those back to sales and marketing and maybe even product that here are things that this customer is struggling with or here are things this customer is loving. And so then it allows to them to improve their processes or maybe put a feature, make it more robust on the roadmap or change the messaging in marketing because something's not alignment. So that would be the second one. Make sure that there's a feedback loop, feedback, feed forward from customer success all the way through the other departments and then also going forward. So marketing through customer success so they know what's happening, what's in the market, how are we talking about things, involve them in the sales process. So just make sure that anyone who is customer facing is cross-trained in the other areas. So that would be number two. The last one would be don't wait until there's a problem for the customer. Proactively check in. To your example earlier with this company that, that we've been a customer for for several years now, and I've implemented that technology in several places, they still can't figure it out. And they are very well known in the industry and they they switch up your sales reps all the time. They don't check in. They don't follow through. They, they'll follow up potentially when there's a problem, 
or they'll hand you off to somebody else, but they won't necessarily follow through. And, and you and I have talked about in the past that there's a big difference between the two. And so the third one would be don't wait until there's a problem. Check in with that customer regularly. Have QBRs with them. Involve the salespeople or the marketing team and make sure that that customer knows that you're a partner with them, not just a vendor. So again, the first one I said, make sure that the customer insights are readily available across all departments consistently. Number two would be make sure that you have a feedback loop, both from customer success all the way back through marketing and product, but then also coming forward. So customer success and sales knows how marketing is talking about the product and or service. And then the third one would be don't wait until there's a problem to cut check in with that customer. Consistently touch base with them. So if you've just uh, joined us, uh, Jen and I are talking about this idea of customer centricity. How do we go beyond the satisfaction to to an obsession? And and it's one that intellectually people understand, but we've also seen it be really, really difficult to implement. And and we're big fans of don't let you know you know perfection get in the way of progress. It unequivocally starts with the leader. It starts at the top, whether it's a team a function or ideally the organization cascading this idea that uh, we are fundamentally in the relationship business. We're fundamentally in that obsession business and, and really helping cross functions, cross geographies, cross organizational, you know, or even individual leader agendas. We really put that customer at the center of everything we do, everything we are and why and how we function. Uh, yeah, and earlier in our call, you alluded to having earning the right to have a customer become an evangelist. And in our customer lifecycle journey maturity model, uh, we talk about creating impact that then leads to that evangelism. And so what does it look like for customer-centric obsession in those for those outcomes? Yeah, so so for our audience, if you haven't seen this, this is again our customer lifecycle journey maturity model. And in the words of the famed philosopher, Britney Spears, it is not rocket surgery, right? There, there's seven steps here. Most organizations on the left-hand side, that's a big part of their focus. They create awareness. They create engagement. They may you know, you know, know, help their customer through that evaluation process. We coach every customer that the relationship really starts at purchase. When they buy, that's really when the rubber meets the road. And if you, if you think of the left-hand side as, as kind of promising value, promising outcomes and results, the right-hand side is time to step up, time to level up. It starts with adoption. You've got to help them, immerse them in how do they get the highest value, the greatest impact from your environment, which if, you, if they adopt it correctly, if they're trained, if there's documentation, if they know how to use it, you know, we've, we've recently have added a couple of pieces of technology to our tech stack and, you know, fell in love with the technology. Somebody else recommended it. I've met the CEO in our demo. He whiz bang shows us all this great functionality. Nobody's ever followed up. Nobody's ever asked, are you, I'm, I'm getting the alarm that my trial is almost over. This is day 15 of 75. That's great. But you have no idea what I'm doing with it. If anything, and no one's ever followed up of, or you know how to get around. You know how to use it. Here's a tip. Here's a technique. Now, again, I hear what most, well, that's not scalable. and We don't have enough people to do all that. And th there's the there's the 
crux of the of the of the situation is you're still thinking volume and quantity versus quality because it, I'm sorry I just gotta say if you create impact number six only when you create impact only when you invest in this side this piece will you then earn the right for them to become evangelists and evangelists are less expensive in your CAC higher LTV kind of lifetime value the acquisition is lower the lifetime value is higher and they'll act you'll activate an army not only they'll renew themselves but they become massive massive bullhorns for your company and value add and and get you in front of a lot of lot of other folks that you may have no visibility into today I was just going to say to your point about how something's not scalable and checking in with your customers all the time isn't scalable. I want to say that's a, a very limiting viewpoint uh, because there's a ton of technologies and everybody's tech stack has the capability to do this. If you have a marketing automation system, Marketo, HubSpot, if you're leveraging Salesforce, even just your regular Google email, you can schedule emails to be sent out. A customer signed their their documents today and i only have google to to send emails have copy paste in a word document or something drop it into your email and schedule that to go out in three weeks because they signed their paperwork today there's just there's very easy ways to do this and with the new technologies and with ai's looking at your workflows and finding ways to simplify and reduce some of that friction and that data entry side of things will really help you then be able to scale some of these check-in points and most customers a lot of customers won't necessarily respond but the ones that are fully engaged or the ones that see that you're trying to provide value they may actually respond back and then that's the point where you intercept that and help them realize that value and those are the customers that you want to help nurture the ones that are fine hunky-dory they're they're figuring it out on their own still check in with them because they're still going to need your help eventually but don't just stay silent, offer your hand, and those who take it, be there for them. And those that don't, just make sure that they have the resources for you, for them in the late, in the future. Yeah. So, so we've been talking a lot about customer centricity, getting beyond satisfaction, which many companies aim for, uh, to, to one of obsession. Uh, Jen, you and I talked about the cultural aspect that is so critical. And I talked about the leadership commitment and you brought up, you know, empowering employees to do something with where they, they, you know, especially if they're the edge of where business kind of meets its customers and creates value. We talked about a feed forward mechanism where we get input, but then we're immediately able to do something about it moving forward. Deep customer understanding, not just what they're doing, why they're doing it, anticipating kind of what they need next. Reward and recognition. I brought up how are people measured? How are they rewarded? How are they recognized? Do you celebrate people that go above and beyond? Uh, really understanding and, and serving those, those customer needs. Um, investing in technology. You brought up, you know, from their CRM systems to their marketing automation, really, really proactively getting ahead of it. It's really difficult to play catch up. You're always scrambling to, you know, put out fires. Very difficult. And the analogy I use is, if you're walking around with a fire extinguisher, it's very difficult to think about sprinklers and how do we design sprinklers and, and alarms to 
not have the building burned down versus I'm constantly walking around, you know, using duct tape and glue and gum and trying to patch up all kinds of issues we've got going on. Um, iterative improvements we talked about, really that continuous improvement and that iteration. Uh, transparent communication, right? It's, it's you know, being transparent with customers, not just with the success, but also failures, creating that two-way dialogue to show that their feedback, worst thing possible. Oh, one of my favorite airlines aggravates the daylights out of me because they're constantly asking me for input and you have no idea where that goes. Like there's got to be a black hole of survey results that that nobody's ever looked at. And it's just like, I've stopped, I've just literally started deleting them. Because well, there's also like those NPS scores that pop up in the bottom of your SaaS tools of how, how well are you liking our product? Okay, like you answer it and maybe you give them feedback, but then nothing happens with it. Nobody checks in. I've used those and actually complained about a bug or a feature that wasn't quite working the way I thought it could or would. And nothing, like no feedback. And it was a it was a low ranked NPS score. And generally, those are followed up with nothing. So, 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 you know, on, on the cultural piece, and then Jen, I really want you to think of three. Uh, I'm going to come to you in a second. Ask you for three things that our audience can do immediately from this conversation. So, think, be thinking about those uh, from the cultural standpoint. This is also something we're trying to do, and we encourage others to do embed customer obsession in your recruiting and onboarding. And by that, I mean, if you interview for, if you hire individuals, you remember the, 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 the server with the black napkin on a platter story that I said earlier? If you, if you hire individuals that display a natural, innate, uh, nature-driven, right? That's the way they're inclination to a customer-centric behavior. That's going to be a lot easier. That person's going to be a lot easier to train, onboard, get buy-in on a customer-centric process, emphasize the importance of customer obsession in their technology and use of it. You're not going to have to babysit that person to really be customer-centered. So we're, we're, we're looking for that in, in people we're interviewing and talking to and do they get that that customer is the only reason any of us get a paycheck? If so, I can teach him the rest. If not, it's like one of those uncoachable things, right? If not, we're going to have a really challenging time uphill with one leg and one foot behind, you know, tied behind our back, trying to get to a customer obsessed environment. So, so we, again, we've shared a lot. We'll put all this, uh, if we didn't share the, uh, site it is again forum.avnir forum.avnir.com is our is our community would encourage you highly highly encourage you another place to get there is uh i'm pretty sure what do we say um avnir.com uh, slash resources avnir thank you avnir.com slash resources we'll put those here as well encourage you to go check it out and um and yeah, there, there, you know, there you go. Well, well, this is where a lot of this, uh, the, the notes and the conversation points from this session is going to be. But Jen, let me let me give you one of the final words of three things our listeners can take away from this session and simple, straightforward, actionable. Go do. 
Absolutely. So number one would be regardless of what position you're in within the company, uh, I would really encourage senior executives to embrace this would be to make calls or listen to calls from your customers, understand what those customers are saying and not just the high value customers that have very large contracts with your organization, but choose one and make a phone call um, and just ask, how are things going? And then add your notes to the notes that are already in whatever system you use to track. So that would be number one. Start focusing on the customer and proactively reaching out to them. Don't wait for them to have a problem. That's number one. Number two, a friend of mine does this. She will randomly choose just five people that have bought something from her in the last month. And she will write them a handwritten note. Nothing, nothing special, uh, nothing remarkable about it. And I actually have one sitting on my desk. It is just a cute little note card and it's three sentences, personally handwritten from her. She sticks it in an envelope and sends it because everybody gets bills in the mail and just getting something unexpected like that is, is always nice. So start trying to implement small things like that into your business. Uh, if you're an executive leader or if you're just a, a team member and maybe it is your customers that you're reaching out to, uh, just checking in with them and sending a, a nice personal note would be number two. Number three is find ways to ask better questions, both internally and externally. And what I mean by that would be if you see something that might that could be improved and proactively think and put yourself in the customer's shoes, at, go ask the question. If we did X, how would that impact you? And and like so my example, if you're in marketing and we add a field in Salesforce for sales to understand what was the last asset that they interacted with, a person interacted with. Would that help you have a better conversation and serve that customer in the next step of their journey? And if the answer is yes, then find a way to implement it. If not, maybe ask the open-ended question. You coach me on that all the time. Don't ask closed-ended questions. Ask the question of what is one thing marketing could give you, you sales, that would help you do your job better and then find ways to implement that. So again, the three would be if you're not currently proactively checking with your customers, Find a way to do that. Uh, just make a phone call. Number two would be go above and beyond and recognize that somebody is engaged with your company by writing them a personalized note. Choose five in the last month and send them. It's, it's always a nice touch for your business. And then the third one would be go ask the other departments. Look outside of your little silo and ask what is one thing that we could do better to help do you do your job. Love it. That's our, that's our, that's sage advice. I, you know, I can't add any value to that. I want to, I want to leave uh, us with, with this reminder that again, I brought up Dennis Sadlowski. I I'm, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always collector of great stories and insights. He, he often talks about that the, the corner office has two primary focus and two focus only fo foci. Uh, one is culture. How do we, how do we build in this case? I want you to think about building, nurturing, a, a truly customer obsessed culture and then brand what what that brand is increasingly is less about what we define it 
as at what and more of those people that that interact with us have bought from us use our stuff would define it as and and no leader i know can do that from the mahogany row this is leadership is a contact sport relationships is a contact sport get out of the office as jen mentioned talk to customers go and see customers talk to your sales reps go sit next to a customer success person and have them take some angry calls uh ask consistently what's the one thing we could do to improve what we do and how we do it this is a continuous learning journey and one that we hope increasingly more leaders more companies will choose to embrace so we've got some great uh, hopefully this session on customer you know beyond satisfaction to obsessions but of interest and value we're live every tuesday at noon eastern uh, Jen's going to cover uh, RevOps strategy and, and where and how it actually can derail and go off course. Uh, next time, uh, we've got a great session coming up on OKRs, NPS, and FAST goals. You may have heard of SMART. I'm not sure if you've heard of FAST goals. And then we've got some great couple of great guests. Scott Edinger has written a brand new book called The Growth Leader. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. And uh, John Burrows is going to talk to us age of the Agile Sales Organization. So next several sessions are going to be really, really good. Hope you'll join us Tuesdays at noon Eastern for another episode of the Avnir Intelligent Growth. Until then, I'm David Knorr with Jen Course. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Intelligent Growth Podcast. Over the years, Jen and Noor have had the privilege of advising senior leaders and their teams on their go-to market strategies, creating world-class processes and capabilities, and integrating complex tech stacks. Now, it's their passion to share marketing, sales, and customer success insights and strategies that will help you transform your go-to market success. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For more, visit the website at avnir.com. See you next time on the Intelligent Growth Podcast.